the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our series called Meet Your God continues here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us and be encouraged. God becomes man, Jesus Christ. Of that truth, we're pretty much in agreement. We all understand this amazing dynamic. But why? Why does God become man? Why doesn't he just come down as God and do what he needs to do to save us? Why, why, why? And there's a whole bunch of whys, but at the end of the day, we have one that we're answering here today and tomorrow on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Why God became man. Join us and find out. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Why did he need to take a human nature? Uh, In our notes, last week we covered how he became a man. We looked at what changes took place uh, in becoming a man. And we finally got to Roman numeral three. And let me just uh, review. We're going to deal with the last point today. But we looked at he became a man to reveal what God was like to mankind, to reveal what God was like. Do you want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read them over and over. If you want to get a handle on what God looks like in flesh, it's Jesus. And then we're going to Hebrews 2. Uh, He came in order that he might provide a sacrifice for sin. A spirit being cannot die. A spirit being cannot die. And so God, the Son, who was already eternal spirit, he took a form in which he could die. Took the likeness of mankind. Took the role of a servant. He became a man that he'd be qualified to be the judge of men. And when people stand, all future judgment, Christ does. Uh, When you stand, the nations will be judged by Christ, Matthew 25. Believers, their works will be judged by Christ. Uh, The white throne judgment, it's Christ that hands out the sentence. No human argument will get past this judge who is the God-man. He will do all judging. Uh, He became a man because God had promised David in 2 Samuel 7, he'd have a physical descendant of his that would sit on a throne and he'd rule the house of Israel forever. That's Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. And Christ fulfilled all the Davidic Old Testament promises of what a Messiah would be like. Israel missed it because Israel only saw the glorious aspects of Messiah. They were blinded, it seems, to the suffering aspects. That Messiah would first suffer, then he would reign. And so Isaiah 53 remains a mystery to much of Israel, and Israel makes Isaiah 53 the suffering of the nation, not the suffering of the Messiah. And so 
they missed his suffering. They, were, they threw him off. They were expecting a glorious, glorious Messiah that would throw off all Gentile power. That's yet to come, and he will do it. Uh, to perfect the author of their salvation. Let us look at Hebrews 2. You'll just see this coming right out of the passage. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be in Hebrews today, writing to those young Jewish believers and explaining the faith and the contrast of where they had been and what they had inherited. In verse 10, 2.10, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Is that not an amazing thing, that uh, God the Son had to suffer to really be qualified to be a Savior? And uh, so he was perfected by his trials, perfected by his test. He was proven to be all that he said he would be, a Savior that could not fail, but who could help. And then we looked at he came to start a family of believers. Verse 11, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Then, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And by Christ's resurrection, being the first fruit from those that sleep in the ground, he destroyed forever Satan's domination in the realm of death. And he frees those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Even in the Old Testament, you've got a lot of shadows, a lot of sometimes a cloud over what happens to the righteous dead. But Christ, in his ascension, according to Ephesians 4, he brought paradise out of the earth, took it up to the third heaven, and now to die is gain. To die is to be with Christ. There is no foggy, shadowy underworld that the believer goes to. Our body goes in the ground. Our spirit soul goes to be with the Lord immediately. This is death conquered. Satan put out of business from scaring the people of God. If you know what the word says about the death of the saints, you can see why Malachi said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the righteous. It's a precious experience, though I'm not trying to rush it. Um, uh, so we keep on here. And just uh, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Marvelous thing. It literally, it is not angels that he laid hold of as to help, but it was our human nature, our humanity. He stoops below angels to lay hold of the descendants of Abraham and the human race. He came down and he laid hold of that human nature, made it a part of his divine person. What a mystery. He's not helping out angels, but he's helping out those below the angels. And so it dignifies our humanity that God chose a humanity like our own to be incarnate in 
It dignifies what you're made like. You're not junk. It dignifies fighting for babies. It dignifies fighting for all colors, all races, little ones, embryos, and old alike, because made in the likeness of God, our humanity is sacred. It's a divine masterpiece. And so he decided to lay hold of our humanity. And then we come to this final one. For this reason, in verse 17, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Let's begin to look at this. Unless you come from a Roman Catholic tradition or maybe some other tradition that has priest, Episcopalian maybe, uh, or unless uh, Judaism has no priesthood today because all the genealogies have been destroyed. Who's related to Aaron? How can we prove it? You have to be related to Aaron to know that. We got a brother named Cohen here. His last name means priest in Hebrew. And uh, that's why there's so many Jewish Cohens. That's the name for priest. And, uh, but to know what a priest is like in the Bible, you've got to understand Israel and that language that God set apart through the household of Aaron the duty of a priest. And that priest was, number one, to represent man to God. And when he went into the Holy of Holies, he was bringing a sacrifice for the people, for himself, and he was going before God seeking an atonement. Then when he came back out and God had accepted the sacrifice, he represented God to man, saying, God has been atoned. God has covered. God has made forgiveness. You're acceptable to God. And so the priest had a very significant role. So that priest was set apart to serve, set apart to take in sacrifice. But now something else, he says about Christ, the true priest. Listen to what he does. He says, he took our humanity that he might become something he never was before. He was not a high priest to us in the Old Testament. He didn't function in the heavenly sanctuary there in this role. He only took this role after his humanity was assumed. And he went back to heaven, to the true sanctuary. And notice what he does and what he is. He became a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Let me tell you what mercy means. Mercy means uh, pity on the miserable, compassion for the miserable. And so Christ is up there now, and because of the humanity he took, he can now be compassionate towards the miserable. And two, he's faithful. He's never asleep. He's never off duty. He always does his duties. You can rely on his priesthood. Now watch what it, the effect of this is. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What a marvelous thing. Through his humanity, he was tempted. Forty days without bread or water, Satan comes and he tempts him. Christ has been tempted more than any man was ever tempted. He knows the nth degree of the power of temptation. But he never sinned. You see, a lot of folks don't know the power of temptation. You know why? They give in to it all the time. 
Let's say if temptation was on a scale of 1 to 10. I see many believers, I get this feeling. If the temptation comes and it's on the level of 1, they just go ahead and do it to get the pressure off. You know when you just sin, there's a lot of pressure off. You're no longer being tempted when you sin. Now you've got another problem. But you're not being tempted. It's like, don't tempt me, I'll do it. But Christ... Have you ever dealt with a temptation that the more you said no, the more the pressure to do it increased? He said, wow, it's moved up to a five level, six level, eight level. And then you're saying to God, God, one more level and I'm going to do it. That's how we rationalize. You know I said no for three days in a row. I can never go beyond four days. Whatever. And so you give in. And when you give in the power of temptation, you only know a four-point temptation. You don't know what it's like at the nine-point level. Christ was tempted in every point to the maximum degree you could be tempted in that area. And he never succumbed. So don't go to him like he doesn't know what temptation is. It's the folks who always give in to it that don't know what it's really like. It can get stronger. And so he's up there. And he says, come to me, and you'll find mercy in my office, faithfulness, and you'll find someone well acquainted with the power of sin to tempt. But I never did it. But that doesn't disqualify me from being merciful. It means I know how strong it can be. I know how great it can be. And I can have mercy on mere human beings and their frailty. And their likelihood to succumb. I understand the power of sin to human beings. That's what he's saying. Go to chapter 4. Let's keep looking at what the high priest does. Chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Let's just state it positively. We have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. And I do not know the depth of that verse. Somebody asked me, Would he know what a homosexual is tempted with? He's been tempted in every way is what it says. Has he ever been tempted with drugs? Maybe not all the current categories, but the same dynamics, obviously, of the powerful pull of the things that appeal to the sin nature to sin and do as human beings. He had no sin nature, and he did not sin but he was tempted in all points. I told you I don't know the full meaning of it. I, I can't imagine. Uh, you mean you felt what it's like to be a murderer? You felt what it's like to be a liar? You mean you were tempted at the point of lying, murder, immorality, drugs? I just know what the text said, and I cannot plumb the full... It, it just, I just almost cringed to think he could have been tempted. What does it sound like to you? 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Do you ever meet a man or a woman who says, well, I've never been tempted to do that. I never would. You're kind of getting a statement, aren't you? <laughs> I'd never do that. We try not around this church to use the word never. Because we've seen folks do what they said they never would do. But there's some things that just wouldn't have... I, I've never been tempted to do some things, but I'm not even going to tell you because somebody tried to tip me. Eat a skunk. Uh, let's see. That would be good. Uh, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. We have one. And notice what it says. We have someone that can sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, I, I want to tell you the way a man is made. If I meet another man for the first time, I don't want you to know my weaknesses because you may take advantage of me. To divulge one's weaknesses is to make oneself vulnerable because your enemies will use your weaknesses against you. Ha, we found the weak point. And yet we are told here, we've got a high priest up there that says, I sympathize with what you're weak about. I have a capacity to feel the human condition, the human frailty. Oh, you've been broke? I I know what it is to have no money. Uh, Your kinfolks don't like you? Well, my own brothers uh, thought I was demon-possessed. Mark, my family, thought I was out of my own mind, including my mother. I came to my own people, according to John 1, and my own people said, we don't want you. You don't measure up to what we were looking forward to. You want to talk about rejection. You want to talk about humility. You want to talk about being mistreated. He is acquainted with human weakness, and he says, I can sympathize with you. You know, there's nothing like a sympathetic listener. Have you ever greeted people and said, how are you doing? And you didn't want to know if they weren't doing well. You just wanted them to say, fine. And you say, I'm glad they said that, especially if you're a pastor. How are you doing? And then, boom, you're gone. Ah, ah, it's all right. I know you're doing fine. And he said, no, no, do you really want to know? Well, you, you might have a problem. And that might mean i got to give you some time. Go see Pastor Rollins. No, no, when you come to Jesus, he doesn't refer it out. You hear that? He doesn't give you a referral. You've come to the right place if you want sympathy. If you want someone to understand you, I must tell Jesus. He alone knows what I'm feeling. And why do we tell everybody but Jesus? Why do we run to all these human ears? And sometimes the saints do a marvelous job, but let me tell you, he tells you in his word, if you come here, you get mercy, you get faithfulness, you get an understanding listener, and you've got someone that I can feel with you. I don't know about you. I've been around some people I hate to be at their mercy. I don't feel welcome to anything they do. Because I know I'm an inconvenience to them. And it's not in their heart. Get out of here. Get on. Just bring assets to me. I don't want needs. I don't want weakness. 
And yet my God says, bring your weakness. I'm already acquainted. Bring it and I'll sympathize with you. Well, let us then approach the throne of grace with timidity and fear so that we won't get any mercy and we won't find any grace and it won't work anyway. Let's give the real verse. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, and that means freedom of speech. It's terrible to see the way some parents raise their kids. They raise them this way. You're to be seen, not heard. Terrible parenting. Terrible way to treat somebody made in the image of God. Kids that are afraid to talk to parents are kids that have not been raised right. They've been raised in fear. They've been raised by sergeants. They've been raised by the right, right, right people. They haven't been raised with compassion. You men, don't be too hard on your kids. They're scared to death of you. And if your kids are scared to death of you, they're not seeing Jesus. You're supposed to be approachable. And if any of you saints act unapproachable, get over it. You're supposed to be clothed with compassion. People want to look you up if they think they'll get compassion. Quit posturing. Toughness in the church is anathema. Don't ever act tough in the church. I remember one time telling some hoods in our youth group, don't come to church to act tough. Go down to South Richmond where I grew up. They can handle you. You come here to be tender. And our homes ought to be compassion centers. Your kids are afraid. You know what you are? You're a hothead, out-of-control parent. That's always right and doesn't have time for a kid that usually is always wrong. Who would you go to if you were wrong? I'd want to look Jesus up. He's the most compassionate listener I've got in my life. And listen to what he said he would do. He said, you come to a throne of grace. You speak with confidence. It's freedom of speech without fear. I could just tell my all. Have you ever been with people in the... And you say, I feel like I could tell you everything. Well, that's the way you're supposed to feel with Christ. Because he won't hit you for being weak. <laughs> he, he won't go against you. Oh, I got you. No, no, no. He said, I can, I can understand. You mean even when I sin? Yeah. He won't endorse your sin, but he knows all the frailty that led up to your giving into it. He knows how human beings think. And feel. And he says, You come here, you'll find grace to help in our time of need. Well, look at chapter 5. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able, this is the Aaronic priesthood now, not Christ, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he had to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. I love this verse. And it says that the Aaronic priest, well, let's say someone came from the tribe of Benjamin, and they came to one of the high priests and said, offer a sacrifice, and it would be a, probably another priest. He said, I blew it this week. I, I sinned. God picked sinful men to be priest among Israel. And he said, oh, you sinned? He said, I understand that. I've blown it in that area about 50 times myself. I had to make a sacrifice for my own sins today. I'll offer your sacrifice. 
The idea is mutual weakness brought mutual understanding and mutual sympathy. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then, we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 